Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News in lovely Denver, Colorado, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of the program, you could always give me a call on the listener hotline. I just checked it the other day to make sure that uh, all is working well, and it is working great. Uh, That number is 303-832-0217, 303-832-0217. You can also find that number, as well as any of the other contact links uh, for me in the description of this very fine program. And, uh, well, I I thought this would happen, and it is going to happen. The federal public transportation mask mandate has been extended into January, January 18th, so that puts it right after... The uh, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend, that puts it right after that, uh, which is the third Monday, celebrated the third Monday in January. So it gets us through the holiday travel season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and now into the first federal holiday of January. Well, I guess the second, technically, uh, the MLK weekend. Um, and then they, uh, the federal government will reevaluate. And that means we will still see flight fights on planes and upset passengers and people trying to get away with it with not wearing masks the entire flight. Uh, I was talking to that guy I mentioned last time uh, who was uh, eating the sucker on his flight and, and then eating the big bag of trail mix. Uh, the other day he told me that he has a two-pound bag of trail mix, and he basically said that he is eating the entire flight, and that's why his mask is down. I've seen some people... Take their mask down, take the bite, and then put their mask up. This is this is not what he's doing. He's leaving his mask basically on his chin, and he's just taking one peanut and one raisin and one piece of Chex Mix or whatever it is, and he's eating it very slowly the entire flight. Um, he's been talked to once about it, but the, I guess the, the, the rule says you can keep your mask down while you're eating, and I, it doesn't say that while you're eating the entire flight, because nobody just eats an entire flight. Uh, eventually, I think he's going to get busted because there's going to be some flight crew that's going to get really mad with him and say, you can't do that. And he's going to fight back. And then he's going to be banned from that airline. And then his work is going to get really mad. So we'll see. I'll keep you updated with what happens there. Uh, I do not have any flights scheduled through the end of the year. Uh, and I don't need one until at least March, next March. For that spring break uh, trip that I would be uh, getting uh, getting to go on a spring break cruise, in fact, um, it, it'll be uh, will it get will this mask mandate get extended through and past spring break? Chances are probably better than fifty fifty. Um, at least that's what I think. Uh, anyway, I also received some interesting comments from last week's rant about our Colorado Department of Transportation and their misleading information that was sent out to the public just to get the phone GPS apps like Google and Waze and Apple Maps to show one highway that was being used as an alternate route as closed uh, with a made-up man slide. Yeah, it was made up. It, it actually never happened. They, they did that. The Department of Transportation created a mudslide just to get the uh, GPS apps to show it as closed. And uh, so I have an update on that. I also wanted to mention uh, that in just a bit, an interesting exchange I had with the executive director of CDOT, Shoshana Liu. It was an interesting exchange. Um, I'll detail all of that for you coming up in just a bit. I also promise most of this episode, though, will be dedicated to what I wanted to talk about last week. And then I got derailed by the whole CDOT thing. 
about cruising. Um, not uh, in a cool car down the avenue, in a big boat out in the ocean. Because it's no secret that I love cruises. I think being on a boat is cool, and it's even better when a boat is huge. Uh, it's it's basically a resort that takes you to interesting places. Uh, they always have clean food and water, and that's what I, I tell people. They go, what is it like to be on a cruise boat? I say, imagine having America with you, and you're taking it to these uh, countries uh, where you uh, can get off, go play, get back on the ship, and get the clean water, clean food, wash it off, and then go on to the next place. Um, that's basically where what a cruise ship is. And yes, there have been some COVID outbreaks on some of these ships, um, and it is still yet to be determined how it is going to affect cruising going forward. We used to just talk about norovirus on cruise ships. They never had to be shut down because of norovirus, but we'll see if the COVID outbreaks and the increase in the Delta is going to have any effect on these cruise ships. But uh, for now, at least, they're getting back on the water and in the water and, and hitting the high seas. And most of the major lines are trying to get back to full capacity. It has obviously been a bit of a challenge, uh, even with vaccinated passengers testing positive for COVID while on the ship. I don't, I don't know how that's happening. I guess they just have it and they're, they're, they are circulating it in them. And even though they're not having any symptoms and they're fully vaccinated, um, but I'm not a doctor, as you could probably tell. And with so many more lines starting up, I thought it was a good time to talk more about the cruising industry and what it's going to look like going forward. So I invited Heidi Allison. She's the editor-in-chief of the travel site allthingscruise.com, and we're going to get her perspective coming up. But first, last time, I talked about the way our state DOT made up a mudslide just to get the Google Maps and Apple Maps and Waze to show that a highway was closed, an alternate route highway was closed when it really wasn't closed by a mudslide. It was open the entire time. The DOT just didn't want people using that alternate road. And what I learned since that last episode is that the DOT has actually used this technique, making up a natural disaster of some sort, mudslide, rock slide, other, other catastrophe, just to show a highway as closed to divert traffic another way. And they did this last year, and they may have even done it in years before that. This has been apparently an accepted procedure by our DOT that was just stunning to me. Stunning. Megan Lopez, our reporter who I talked to last time, received an email from the DOT regarding this. And in one of these emails that she received, she saw one from a communications manager that said she recently resorted to saying, this communication manager over at CDOT, recently resorted to saying the road was closed due to flash flooding, which was, quote, kind of true. Kind of true. We're dealing now with an agency from the state that deals in kind of true adding it worked for a while last week <laughs> kind of true and another employee said they had good intentions but maybe used bad judgment you think bad judgment yes bad judgment the truth is always the best judgment if you don't want people using the road or just locals using the road then say it's closed because we're just going to have locals using the road Put up extra signs. Do do something else, but instead of making up mudslides, that's just not the way to handle it. 
Well, Megan tried and tried and tried to get an interview with CDOT people uh, about this story and was always shut down. So naturally, when the DOT held an informational update with the executive director, Shoshana Liu, the other day, I had to get on the call. And of course, I had to ask my questions because that's just who I am. Now, I was wondering if they were actually going to call on me because you had to do the hand raise thing after they went through their little presentation. It was really about information about Glenwood Canyon, when it's going to open, what what the process is for opening lanes, which they have opened one lane each direction as they're continuing to uh, repair the damage that could take several months. So that was the really the meat of this press conference. And eventually they did call on me, which I was a little bit surprised about. And then I asked the executive director when she learned about the false information that was sent out. Well, she went on to explain in in a long form that they wanted traffic off the road near Aspen, Highway 82, Independence Pass, because too many people were using it, so they closed it. (laughs) Too many people were using it. Never mentioned anything about the fake mudslide. But then she said the issue last week was just miscommunication. It wasn't miscommunication. It was, miscommunication is, is maybe hearing somebody wrong or uh, getting your wires crossed of some sort. It was false and misleading information. I think that's what she really meant to say, but she didn't. She said it was miscommunication. She then went on to explain that it was some others in the department that wanted to revert to a procedure they used last year to close the highway, but it, quote, wasn't the right solution for this year. Wasn't the right solution for this year, even though they used it last year. So it was still in their policy, if you will, to use a a fake report of a, of a mudslide, rock slide, water, whatever, to have a highway closed down. So that was okay. That it just <laughs> it still floors me. She said there was a mistake by a, by by their staff, by her staff about how the highway was listed as closed, but quote, we changed it quickly, but it wasn't motivated by anything but the best of intentions. <laughs> All right. Well, why can't you just tell us the truth? If it's for the best of intentions, then just tell us the truth. I mean, knowing what is best for us by not telling us the truth is like the public is three years old and you are our parents who always knows best, even though we might not uh, know the best and you, and we can't understand what you're telling us or, or doing for us, but, but you're going to do it for us anyway because they know best. <laughs> I asked if anyone was going to be disciplined uh, in her department for uh, the... As, as she said, miscommunication. Uh, and in her words, mistake. And if she is okay with uh, manipulating GPS apps in this way going forward. She said if a road is open, then it will stay listed as open. Now, I took that as good news. She is hopefully not going to let this policy continue and, and hopefully not let this die down and let everybody forget about it and then reinstate this policy. She then went on to say the problem with GPS apps routing traffic on what what she says are bad roads is a problem that many Western states have, especially Colorado that has some unique roads that aren't able to carry a lot of traffic 
uh, or uh, commercial traffic or non-four-wheel drive traffic. And so that's one of their other issues, and other states have issues with that from these GPS apps. I, I did a story, uh, it had to be a year or two ago, about how a GPS app was sending people over by the airport down some dirt road. A whole bunch of people got stuck in the mud, including uh, my wife's cousin who was driving out there. And, and one of the problems is people just rely on the GPS apps and they and they don't, they just drive it. They don't look at what's ahead and go, well, maybe I shouldn't drive on this road. They just, they just do it. So then the uh, Shoshana Lu, who is the executive director for our Department of Transportation, uh, then she said, I wouldn't characterize it as lying to the GPS. <laughs> really? <laughs> then why create a, a made up mudslide? That's not lying? Making up a mudslide? And it was at that point when she said that, that I interrupted her when I said, right here in the middle of her answer. And I said, with all due respect, Shoshana, telling the public and GPS apps that there's a mudslide when there really wasn't a mudslide is false reporting. <laughs> there was a there was a pause of about five seconds. Long enough pause to the point that I thought we lost connection in the call there. Uh, I think I caught her off guard or just made her really, really mad um, because no one talks to her that way. <laughs> no one talks to an executive director that way. She then stammered a bit uh, to ask her chief of communications if the website sent out that information. I interrupted again, explaining that the tweet was sent out and how Pitkin County, the county where Independence Pass is, had to check it out and there was nothing there. And then they had to retract their information. And so they were caught a bit with uh, uh, believing the DOT when the DOT had lied to them as well. Again, a long pause. <laughs> she, she then said, during a time of rapid changes, there's a lot of real-time information, and it's not the first time when things are changing very rapidly that there might be a moment of confusion. It got corrected, and our posture is that the road is open and that it needs to stay open. <laughs> she was, at that point, getting visibly and audibly agitated. I I'm sure at me, uh, because I kept pressing this issue, I, I could just tell it in her voice at that point. She then went on to try to explain again about last year, and I brought her back saying this is about this year and this incident, not about last year. She then said, I'm not saying it was the right decision. I changed it, and the position of CDOT right now is to list the road as open if it's open. <laughs> that was pretty much the end of the line of questioning from me as they then moved on to other reporters. <laughs> I don't blame them because they don't want to get, keep getting grilled by by me, but I wasn't going to take it. I and. There are very few reporters, not only in this market, but around that, that I, I don't know if it's onions or whatever that I, I just, I was mad. You know what? It's just, it made me mad. Lying makes me mad. Shoshana never really answered the questions when she, when, when she knew about the fake mudslide policy, um, whether it was last year or this year, but she did admit that this was a policy that was used by the communication staff in the past and then it won't be used again. And looking back on the video, I could really tell Shoshana was getting frustrated with me. Uh, I, I think that in the future, they and really at that instance when I was talking to her, she should have been more open and honest about this issue. Um, but she is who she is, and 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 some people are gonna answer a certain way, and and they and they and she did. 
Um, then a bit of uh, uh, then it was about a about what maybe an hour and a half after that whole issue of the press conference, I received in my uh, in- email unsolicited email from the office of the governor of Colorado, Jared Polis. And and I, as first when I see this email, I go, uh oh, what did I do now? Uh, I made somebody really mad. The email read, Jason wanted to make sure you had this statement from the governor's office regarding independence pass. Be well. Then there was this statement. When the governor found out about this through Denver seven, he let CDOT director Shoshana Liu know that she did the right thing and complimented her on stopping the effort to provide misinformation to the public about road closure. The governor believes that it is the responsibility of the state to provide accurate and trusted information for travelers and empower everyone to make their own decisions. Boom. So basically, the governor agreed with me and was, I don't know about uh, horrified is probably too strong of a word, but he was, I'm sure, upset. And also um, frustrated, maybe. No, maybe just upset about this situation and that it came to this point and he wanted to praise her and say, look, it was good that they stopped it. it the, the, the direction, I wouldn't m- doubt that, it, that there was some pressure from the governor's office to say, stop this, make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, this is no good. Um, because it's not. Lying from a state agency in this way is no good because it also affects the other uh, department, in this case, the sheriff's office in Pitkin County. And I was a bit surprised when I saw that email from the governor. Uh, I felt actually a bit nervous. Like I was then on the radar and I better watch out for a dark color SUV that might be following me at any moment. Uh, but I think the governor gets it. He, he, he don't just don't lie to the people, especially from an agency that tasked with providing accurate information. That, that's what made me more mad than just about anything else. Lying and not saying, yep, I did it. Not owning up to it. I, I'm pretty confident though. I will probably not be offered a job over there at the DOT anytime soon. At least maybe while Shoshana is uh, still the executive director. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually stop returning my calls or emails over there. Look, I I was just doing my job. I hope they understand that. I I have no ill will or or hard feelings uh, to the folks, the the good hardworking folks over there. It's just I was doing my job. And my job is to, to question uh, people when they when they're not doing the right thing and to make sure that the state agencies are doing what they're supposed to for us the people and 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 I am part of the people last time I checked uh, like I said earlier in the show I love cruising and and I'm scheduled to go on a cruise next March to celebrate my sister-in-law's 40th birthday my wife's 45th birthday really it's more about my sister-in-law than my wife but they share the same birthday the actual day they share. Uh, five years apart, so it actually works out for both of us. Uh, it's a short cruise, four nights on Royal Caribbean from Miami to uh, their private island and to, uh, I think, Nassau. And I would think that cruising at that point, hopefully, is either going to be great or it's going to be terrible. It's going to be one or the other. Uh, probably not on a gray area here. It's going to be good or it's going to be bad. I guess we'll see. Uh, that is, though, a year, uh, well, I guess a half a year away so a lot of things can happen between now and then. I hope it comes all all good for for selfish reasons. I, I know there are many people who don't like cruises, and that's fine. I, I'd like to try to sail on a private yacht to see how that is, <laughs> but nobody is uh, inviting me onto a private yacht. 
including the Lou family. Uh, it's been a challenging time for the travel industry, especially for these cruise lines. I've been on 11 cruises so far. As I, I said, number 12 is scheduled for March of next year. And I wanted to talk more about the cruise industry, how badly it's been hurt, where it stands now, and where it's going to be going in the next year and beyond. So I invited Heidi Allison. Heidi is the editor-in-chief of the travel site allthingscruise.com to help us make sense of all of this. Heidi, welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Thank you for having me, Jason. All right, Heidi. So it's been a long 18 months for the cruise industry. Uh, let's first go back to before February 2020, when cruising was still a thing for a lot of people, including me and my family. At that point, the industry really was booming, wasn't it? Yes, it was booming. We were receiving over 1,500 requests every day for cruises. We um, have 750 travel advisors who are members. And All Things Cruise is the editorial content site for another site called Cruise Compete. So we were bustling, we were booking cruises all day, every day. It was a very busy, busy time. Yeah, there were. Uh, I, I was going on all. The last one I went on was in uh, what was it, 2019? It was January of 2019. Uh, we went on the Symphony of the Seas. At that time, was the world's largest cruise ship, uh, and it was busy. There were, I think, four thousand something like that people on that ship, and and uh, and there were other ships that we kept running into that were all seemed full. It seemed like it was it was uh, there were people everywhere wanting to get on cruise ships. There were, and virtually no ship went out with any cabins empty. All cabins were full. People were sending us all their surveys back, their photos. We had just opened a site to rank the restaurants on all the cruise ships. And then last year happened with a shock. And when I first saw poor Princess Cruises on the uh, television, I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, no. I had worked for Princess Cruises for several years. And I think the press that they got was a little bit skewed because everywhere, all over the world, people were getting this virus. And I think the focus was Quite a, for quite a while on Princess, would you agree? Oh, yeah, most definitely. What did you do for Princess? I was a regional director of sales for the state of Florida. Oh, nice. Now, yeah. Yes. It's a beautiful line. And I was thinking, oh, no, no one's going to want to go on Princess anymore as I kept watching the news. But the interesting thing is that so many people emailed us saying, poor Princess, well, book us, book us for, you know, two years from now. So Princess has always been our number one seller and Princess still is our number one seller. I And, and it's interesting. I've never been on that one. I've been on five other cruise lines, but I have never been on Princess. And, and what we're talking about is when we hear uh, what we first heard about the coronavirus, it was uh, really shut down, obviously, all the cruise lines. But we were watching the Diamond Princess floating offshore where 700 passengers were on board, something like that. They were infected with coronavirus. I think 14 people or so died on that ship. And I think at, at that point, we all understood how ships were uh, circulating viruses. They it, Most most cruise lines, they were all worried about the norovirus, which just give you a little bit of flu-like symptoms. And, and then the cruise lines really worked on trying to get people to wash their hands and use sanitizer. But I think what 
they learned with the coronavirus is that their circulation in the uh, living areas through the cabins was shared. And that made the coronavirus uh, really easily traveled through one cabin to a next to the next. And that, and just basically almost everybody on that ship got it. But now that's changed with the new air handling systems that all of the ships have added. They are keeping the air inside the ship safe. They've enhanced all the filtration. They've optimized all the airflow patterns. They've used negative pressure, pressurization. Not that I understand exactly what it is, but I think that that, that has all changed because they've minimized unfiltered uh, recirculated air. And they've increased the number of air changes per hour in most areas of the ship. So now I think a cruise ship is probably the safest place to be because it's the only place where you know the majority, 90% plus, of the people inside that ship are vaccinated. But they're still going to have problems with people who maybe aren't vaccinated or might who lie about it. And, and when you're when you're on a ship, I know when... We, my wife and I, our first one, we, we had one of those porthole rooms, so an ocean view room. We didn't have a balcony. We didn't have the inside cabin where you didn't have any windows. I, I don't think I could be in one of those cabins. I, I needed at least a window to see outside. And then ever since then, we've had balcony rooms uh, just because I like to sit out on the balcony and watch the world go by. Um, but in those, as we were talking about the filtration systems, uh, I would think it's, it's tough for some of the cruise ships to deal with the circulating air when you have the doors open, uh, the, the sliding glass doors open, the cabin door to the hallway open, and you're circulating air through that way. You're circulating it, uh, hopefully not from cabin to cabin. So these new air filtration systems, these air handling systems, as you said, I, I wonder if they've really been tested cruise worthy, if you will, if, with, with so many people that are on a cruise ship. Well, I know that right now, um, one of the ladies who works for our website, she's on a celebrity cruise in Alaska. So far, so good. Nothing has happened to any of the passengers. Um, my partner, his name is Bob. He just returned from the uncruise adventure to Alaska. They had zero problems. But you have to think about, if you look at how the last pandemic ended, the last one ended because people got tired of all of this. And it went on to become, I believe, called the flu. And that will be with us probably till the end of our lives anyway. And now it looks like COVID will be with us till probably the end of our lives. And as the, <clears throat> for every person who has been harmed or gone, it's really, really sad. But I think that's sort of taken the place of the flu. And I don't think any place in this world will ever be 100% safe, nor will a cruise ship. But at least you'll know that it's one of the safest environments because when you go on a cruise, 95% of the people will be vaccinated. They had to leave room for children because children are not able to have the vaccination. So, so far, and I know another two other people, so four cruises that have gone, come back, and no one has had anything go wrong versus if you go to a hotel the other problem with a cruise ship is let's say you and i go to a hotel we check in there are a thousand rooms we do whatever we're going to do for seven days and then we leave 
we don't go, then we go through the airport and we go home and we find out we have COVID or anything else for that matter, even norovirus. We don't call back or report it to the hotel. What will happen is we'll just all go on our way, go to various states, and it will go unreported. Every time a cruise ship sails into any port of call, they remember remember how you have to stay on the ship and you're waiting and waiting, wondering, what are they doing? Why is it taking so long to open these doors and let us go free? The reason is because they're meeting with the port authorities and they're reporting to those port authorities every case of any illness that they have as well as all the documented papers that they have to have so no one else has such tough scrutiny as to what has happened with the passengers during the last 24 hours so for me i think it's one of the safest places that you could go i'm speaking with heidi allison heidi is the editor-in-chief of the travel site allthingscruise.com we're talking about the comeback of the cruise industry for over a year and a half ships basically sat empty uh, the workers returned home, usually to foreign places. A lot of the workers come from uh, other countries besides the United States. And we waited and waited and waited. And during that time, while we were waiting, did you ever think cruising was over? Did you did you think it was just a matter of time, maybe, before we started to get back out there? Well, I thought this is going to take a long time. There was a website, now I can't think of the name of it, where you could see all of the ships sailing because they had to keep the ships moving. So they had the officers were aboard and some of the crew. And it was a really cool website because you could see all the ships in the Caribbean circling and circling around for days. I always felt that it would come back. I mean, it's such a major part of the travel and tourism industry. Did I, I was worried. I was worried about the whole world, but I always felt it would come back. And I can see now our expedition cruise requests are up 198%. Now, I would say that that's probably because the ships are small and people, there was already, there was already a trend going towards smaller, interesting ships because many of the people that take cruises just love cruising so much. Then they want to try something new. And most of the major lines were, getting into that market with their smaller ships. So I'd say definitely our requests have been in a major way increased. I think what you're thinking of is there's, there's a couple of different sites, uh, MarineTraffic.com and Vessel Finder. And I think those are some Vessel of the sites. Finder. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Cause there's, cause I have a, an app on my phone. That's a uh, flight radar 24 that basically tracks airplanes that are flying around and one of the cool features is if if there's an airplane flying right over you you can actually do this virtual view and and it will show you what that airplane is and where it's going that's very cool yeah yeah. it's a very cool site yeah i think that's pretty neat anyway over the past few months now a lot of the ships are starting to sail we they, they did some test sailings they had a few ships go out. There were some cases of COVID. They've come back. And, and, and now more and more ships are taking passengers um, from U.S. ports, right? I, I, have, you, have you seen U.S. ports start to take passengers out? Or is it mainly because I, I think we've heard from uh, some ports from uh, uh, the Bahamas taking people out? Yes. What happened first when the CDC was not allowing cruising was that the ships virtually sailed away. 
they started working with uh, St. Martin, Barbados, Nassau, and they beefed up all of the ports. So these other governments invested a fair amount of money in revitalizing their ports to make them departure ports. So if you look on my website, we have a really interesting uh, area there that says cruise specials. Disney is cruising out of uh, Port Canaveral, and that one is sailing August 23rd, 30th. I mean, those are very last minute. Usually people don't book this close in, but everything's changed. So I would say that there's a good chance people will book those. MSC cruises, are you familiar with them? Oh, yes. I almost, we actually had one booked for spring break 2020 and then had to cancel it because of the COVID. Have you ever been, Jason, on MSC before? We have not. We were going to do the MSC Seaside just because I thought it was a unique ship and a unique way to... Uh, for all their different packages. it was, uh, And we were looking forward to it just to see what it's like. Well, I have never been on MSC, but may I tell you a little story about the sure, owner? Sure, <laughs> So every year in um, usually March, the cruise industry has a big conference at the Miami Convention Visitors Bureau. So I was there, and it's very crowded. So I was leaving, going back to my hotel, and there was a, another lady standing there, and she said, let's share a cab. And she, have, I looked at her name tag and it said Vice President uh, MSC Cruises. And we chatted and so forth. And come to find out she was one of the owners. Huh. Her family owns MSC Cruises. Very nice lady. And I have never personally been on MSC. But from all of the people I've chatted with, the ships are some of the most gorgeous out there. They're nicer than um, than the Ritz-Carlton hotels, is what people have mentioned to me. The only thing that's a little bit different is the the it's European. So some people aren't as familiar with European service. So the service is a little bit European. And as long as you're good with that, I think you'd have a wonderful time. Yeah, aren't so they you said, Italian, I think, right? Yes, yes. You mentioned that you're booked down a cruise coming up. What line is that? Royal Caribbean in March uh, for spring break. And it's just a okay. short four-night um, four or, yeah, four-night uh, cruise going from Miami to uh, Bahamas, their private island, and then back to Miami. Right. The private islands, do you know they're the number one port of call? Yeah. I, yeah, we've been to, in the past, we've been to the Royal Caribbean private island, but have not seen it since uh, it's... Uh, re-debut with all the uh, cool water slide stuff. I have also heard MSC has one of the most gorgeous private islands as well. So private islands, that's the perfect way to spend the day, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's great. So back to the other cruise lines. Uh, Tonk River Cruising is leaving right now from Paris. Uh, Uniworld also leaving from Budapest. So it just goes on and on. We we do have quite a few cruises sailing this year in August, and every month it's expanding. August, September, October, we'll probably be back to normal, I would say, by maybe March, April next year. Yeah, I was reading that just in August, 190 cruise ships representing 65 different brands are going to operate with guests on board. So it does seem like the cruise industry is trying to go full steam ahead. They are, but it took a lot of um, logistics to make that happen because, as you said, many of the crew went back to their countries, 
the ships were sailing in circles with officers on board. But there are so many logistics to bring everything back to normal all the food that has to come on, all the supplies. And so many times there were these false starts where they purchased all the food and then it didn't happen. The CDC kept cruise operations from happening. All that food, I believe, was given away at the various ports of call. So getting back to normal will take some time to fly all those people. And now we're still having flight problems. I tried to go somewhere and it's very limited flying. We're used to have five flights to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach every single day. Now it was down to two when I was trying to take a trip recently. I'm speaking with Heidi Allison. Heidi is the editor-in-chief of the travel site, allthingscruise.com. You can find the link in the description of this episode uh, right down there and click right to her website. We're talking about the comeback of the cruise industry, some of the tra- troubles that they've had. I was also reading recently that, uh, I mean, because we're, we're seeing some of these outbreaks on some of the ships, even though your, your anecdotal evidence showed that nothing really bad has happened yet. But now Carnival is requiring masks to be worn on board in some indoor areas for all guests, regardless of vaccination. And some uh, lines are requiring at least a 48-hour, if not 72-hour, negative test plus proof of vaccinations. Um, it, it's seems like some of these measures could maybe slow down some of the bookings, even with longtime cruisers. Well, we have not seen a lull uh, since this latest news. I think also so many places in, in America, they're asking, not in my town yet, but I understand that even in restaurants in New York, you are going to have to show proof of vaccination as well as Maybe there's a vaccination passport there. And when I was watching uh, the news this morning, I, it showed a gentleman in an outdoor restaurant in Rome. He said he had to show his vaccination and wear a mask to walk into the restaurant like we were doing a couple months ago. So I think whatever's happening on land, that they will make sure that people are as safe as can be also on a cruise ship. And we were mentioning kids because some of the kids, uh, I have two children, at that point in uh, March of next year, they're going to be 10 and 13. Now, my 13-year-old is not vaccinated, nor is my 10-year-old right now at this point. And so uh, it, it's going to be, a I don't know, maybe a wait and see to see if uh, the cruise line even will let them on board or there's going to be certain hoops that we have to jump through to get them on board. And that's, that's uh, still an unknown for us. We have friends with a six-year-old and the mom is a nurse and... The mom was worried that she had it. She went to her own hospital, took her daughter with her. And that's really a tough thing because her daughter was feeling sick. And when she had the test, she said, oh, I think they just touched my brain. But <laughs> and the worst part was both of them were negative. Neither one of them had it. They had a slight cold. So it is hard to put little people through this testing and worry. I know that the children have been extremely worried. So I will hope and pray that the cruise lines allow children to go this spring and that the variant has subsided. And obviously you, you've seen your own, obviously anecdotal evidence of people booking cruises with you and, and on your, on your site. And so you can see the interest there, but it seems that a lot of the new cruisers, uh, at least to me would be 
hesitant to try it. They, they, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who have never had been on a cruise before. Their, their first words out of their mouth were norovirus. So they were already uh, freaked out about that. Some would say motion sickness or they didn't want to be cooped up on a, on a big boat. I think big boats are really cool, but, but it seems like the virus could now maybe, uh, hinder cruise lines from attracting new guests keep the old ones, keep the current cruisers that, that know and love it, but trying to get the new guests on board could be a bit of a challenge. I would have to agree with you on that one, Jason. I mean, I've spoken to people that have never been on a cruise, but they, they really hadn't been on a cruise because they never, it wasn't what appealed to them. I think only 15% of the U.S. population has ever cruised, and some people just don't like the water. So you're never going to get 50% of the population to take a cruise because it's just not the kind of vacation, just like you're not going to get a large percentage of the population to take an adventure vacation or a sailing vacation because people have varied interests. But I would have to agree with you. It will be a little bit challenging for new people who've never cruised to in to find out and book and enjoy the wonderful world of cruising. And there are plenty of incentives. I actually just received an email the other day from Royal Caribbean uh, saying that, hey, we, we will give you huge discounts, 30, 40, 50 percent on the specialty restaurant, on a drink package, on the spa if you just book it now. So I don't know if that's an enticement just to try to get me to keep my booking or to get some more revenue and cash uh, into a a line that really needs it right now. I would guess that it's uh, both. That's what I, I would think it's both. And they want you to be happy. I mean, the satisfaction level with cruising I can't recall the exact statistic, but I believe it's in the 90 percentile. So that when people are taking a cruise, they're extremely satisfied when they come back. The new ones who don't have any idea what to expect, sometimes people think, oh, I'm going to feel claustrophobic. I've never felt claustrophobic, and I've been on close to 100 cruises. How about you, Jason? I think if I was in an inside cabin that didn't have a window looking outside, I might. Um, But other from that, I don't. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's total fresh air compared to the way it used to be before they had all of the balconies. So I was just looking at Royal Caribbean believes their cash flow will be, they will be cash flow positive in six months. And this is a newsletter I got this morning talking about Royal Caribbean breaks even at 35% occupancy. Yeah, and there are 190 cruise ships which are sailing in August. That's big news. Do you think the smaller lines like Windstar uh, or even the smaller ships are any safer than the larger ships like the Symphony of the Seas that I went on that holds 4,000 plus? Well, I think if you look at the numbers, what are that? what is the science telling us? If you go to a really large concert, if you go inside of a movie theater, if you go inside of a shopping mall, a grocery store, it depends on the number of people. The more people around, the more chances you have for contracting anything, the flu, a cold. And I would say probably the same would make sense on a cruise ship with the exception that at least you can feel 95% of the people are vaccinated. So I would think 
that, yes, just from a safety perspective of fewer people, but I don't think there's going to be any place as safe as a cruise ship if you're trying to avoid the virus. One of the aspects I really actually like about being on a cruise is meeting the crew, especially at dinners and, and, your, and your stewards for the, for the cabins, because they, they come from other parts of the world. And I find that interesting, what it's like to live in those other places and why somebody would choose to have a contract on a cruise ship for maybe eight or 10 or 13 months to be on a cruise ship away from their family. In some instances, uh, we, we've talked to people who had wife and kids and, and it was a way for them to earn more money than they could in their home country and then send it back. But they were away from their families for extended period of times. It, it was, it's interesting to me to talk to some of those folks. Uh, are, are, is it hard for the cruise lines to get some of those folks to come back on because of uh, COVID restrictions or other travel restrictions, or are the international workers coming back to the ships? Uh, no, it's, they're not having that difficult of a time. I mean, I have to remember when SARS happened, and I remember being in an airport and thinking, why are all these people wearing masks? I was young, I had no idea, and I really didn't care. And I think that most of the people that are working on the ships are young, they're not worried. They were not getting the virus. And no, I believe that there is no place better to learn the world, to have new experiences where you can meet all kinds of interesting and fascinating people, see all kinds of places. It's one of the most fun jobs ever, whether you're a cabin steward, working in the restaurant, working as a hairdresser. Uh, all the people that I've spoken to not only love the job, but they've never made so much money. And it's sad in other parts of the world where they're working on the ships and sending their money home. I always thought it'd be an interesting and and fun retirement job for my wife and I. Yeah, for my wife and I, just to be a you know do something on the ship, whether it's maybe we work in the communications department or something on the ship or the or or whatever. But I think it would be an interesting uh, way to, to spend a re part of a retirement. Well, you're in luck. Um, I know you're from Michigan originally, and are you familiar with Park West Galleries? Uh, yes. the ones that, uh -huh. Yeah, they do the art auctions on the ships. They're located right. here. And I know they seem to have a fair amount of art auctioneer positions open. <laughs> yes, that would be a perfect retirement job, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be fun, you know, to, to live on the on the ship. And, and I, it's, I, I think it would be an interesting, at least, experiment to see how it works for retirement. Yes, that would be really, really fun. I mean, what do most people want to do when they retire? Travel. Right, right, exactly. And that's the way you can get actually paid for traveling, which would be a good way to go. You would. I've been on several cruises where there were people who were virtually living on the ship. They just booked the whole year and they lived on the ship. That is amazing. I, I don't. Uh -huh. I, I don't know if I was. Uh, if I would be willing. I don't know. I, I guess I, I. I like being on there for a certain amount of time and then getting off. But I don't know. Well, well. <laughs> I, I met this one woman who said it was less than a nursing home. She had cabin service every day. She yeah. could have room service every day. There were people watching out for you everywhere, all over the ship, and all of your food was included. And 
really good food. So, yes, she said that. I mean, she said it joking. I don't think she really belonged in a nursing home. But she said she was planning to live the rest of her life on that ship. Well, and I'm sure that she was also uh, earning all kinds of perks if she was staying on the same cruise line, earning all kinds of perks. And eventually, at some point, they're they're giving her so, so many free things and free nights and free weeks that it, that it is a, a great deal. And when the ship went into um, dry dock for uh, two weeks, or like they do every year, they actually put her in a hotel. Oh, they packed nice. her suitcases for her and put her in a hotel, and then she came back on in the same cabin after dry dock. I'm speaking with Heidi Allison. She's the editor-in-chief of the travel site, allthingscruise.com. You can get the link on the description of this show right now. Uh, we're talking about the comeback of the cruise industry. Before um, we talk about what the industry looks like in a year and, and beyond, what are your top five cruise lines? Um, what, what are the ones that you uh, typically see folks wanting to go on? Well, it's interesting that you ask that. I was just looking at our – we do a cruise trends report every month we collect our data and then we uh, rank who's the most popular so we have three different kinds of lines river lines which are extremely popular um american cruise lines here in the u.s you can go on the mississippi uh, that's the number one the number one in luxury cruises is oceana and the number one in premium cruises is your line royal caribbean yeah so uh, second for premium is Celebrity, second for Luxury is Cunard, and for River is Viking. So then we even take it further, we do it by ships. So the most popular cruise ship, and this is by month. So last month, the Celebrity Edge was the most popular. Coming in second was Oasis of the Seas, Queen Mary II for Luxury, Oceana Marina for Luxury. And then same uh, for River was American Queen and Queen of the Mississippi. We've been looking at our different regions. Um, people buying world cruises, which are usually around 90 days long, that has been in our top five for what people have been booking during this pandemic. That's really interesting. I wonder if it's people that just uh, were sick of staying at home for a year and now want to <laughs> when they want to get out they get out <laughs> they're going to stay yeah out. they're going to stay out the most popular um ports visited which is very interesting are Cozumel, bora bora and vienna i think a lot of people though from that that i know and that i've talked to about cruising just want to stay in and around the united states they, they don't typically want to go uh overseas one one of our uh newscast directors he took, right before the start of the pandemic, he was on a cruise that went uh, out of China, went to uh, Japan, and then back to China. Um, and so that was th one of the most, I guess, far out cruises that, that I've heard of from somebody from around here. That's a fascinating cruise. A lot of people like to cruise the Orient and I think it's probably, or if you're going to make that long of a trip, you'll get to see so many ports of call all at once. And then if you find some place that you fall in love with, you can go back, right? Right. Or you can get on that world cruise ship or that world ship that goes around the world every, what, couple of years, I think. Every January or February, ships depart. Uh, as far as world cruises go, most of the luxury lines do a world cruise. And I, I'm going to look at my January departures because I know that that's when most of them leave. They leave from 
London, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and do you know that the Costa World Cruise sold out in three hours? Not last year, but a couple years ago. Huh. No, I yeah. didn't. Yeah. yeah, World Cruises sell very, very quickly. Okay, so we've got Seaborn departing January 11th. We've got Crystal departing January 17th. We've got, and you can take a segment of a world cruise. You do not have to book the entire trip. You, they break it up into some smaller um, itineraries. So if you just want to check it out and see how, if that is something you would be interested in, we've got Hertha Gurten doing a 65-night epic global expedition. Then Viking is also uh, sailing into, oh, December 22nd. Perfect Christmas present for anybody, right? <laughs> it would be. Yeah. It would be very fun. I've never been on a ship during uh, a holiday, but from the people I know that have gone, they've said they go out of their way to make it an extraordinary holiday season. Yeah, I've been on a Disney cruise for um, Halloween and other cruises for uh, around the holidays, uh, at least around Thanksgiving, and it's yeah, it's they're always dressed up really nice, and it's always a good time. And they even make fake snow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what do you think the industry will look like in a year? Do you see any setbacks from COVID? Do you see it just being maybe one, uh, two steps forward, one step back, and then keep on trucking? Or is it going to be all the way through for the next year, five years, ten years? What does the industry look like? Well, I think that if you look at the new ships coming on, under our website, All Things Cruise, we believe 147 new ships coming on so the shipyards have been building them the cruise lines have been buying them i think that there's probably a good chance that cruising is going to increase because of all these new ships and they do very strong studies before they build new ships and during this pandemic nothing is well i'm sure a couple have been canceled but not that i'm aware of as ships are coming on, there's always a lot of uh, grandiose excitement, um, the celebration, going into a port when a new ship comes in, the christening of the ship. People love to be on brand new ships. And think about all the um, ships that are coming on where no one else has been there. So if nobody else has been there, you can really feel confident on an inaugural cruise that it's germ-free. Right. So you, you you really are confident then in this industry that it's going to continue to flourish in the next year and two years and five years down the road. I think that some of the most intelligent people are running all these cruise lines. And yes, it's been a real worry. And I was thinking about it. I, I don't think any other industry other than maybe the travel insurance industry, but they're about to boom. I, I think it's been a really tough go for anybody in the cruise industry. And, uh, yeah, the latest uh, cruise ship that you were, I just popped in my head when you were talking about some of the new, new uh, cruise ships coming out was that uh, it's um, Carnival with that roller coaster on the top. Yes, that looks like a really exciting <laughs> new ship to be on. And that I, looks kind of uh, ridiculous to me, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go on it, but... No. Uh, I'm sure plenty of people will. And I made a mistake. There are 70 brand new ships scheduled to hit the water. 
Well, Heidi, thank you so much for your expertise and all your insights, and uh, great luck to the cruise line in the future. Is uh, and, and uh, how many cruises have you been on, and and how many do you plan on going in the in the near future? Well, I've been on close to a hundred because I was invited on many inaugurals, and when I worked for Princess Cruises, of course, I was on their ships quite frequently. Um, my next cruise, I'd really like to go to Iceland. Um, I've not been to Reykjavik. I understand it's just beautiful there. And it's an itinerary that not a lot of people have experienced yet. Sure. So I would love to go there, and I'm hoping to do that maybe this fall. Heidi Allison, the editor-in-chief of the travel site allthingscruise.com. You can check out their website from the link that's in the description of this show. Heidi, thank you so much for being here, and uh, appreciate all your time. Jason, thank you so much for having me. Again, all of Heidi's links are in the description of this episode. I am still thinking the cruise will happen uh, in March, mine. Um, again, it could be great or it could be awful. <laughs> I don't know. There's more cases always popping up on these ships. I wonder if they're going to require my young daughters to be vaccinated. Right now, my daughters are not. Um, they're Well, I guess at that time they'd be 13 and 10. Um, but the cruise is still six months away, so anything could happen. Policies change. Uh, my younger brother had a cruise booked last year, and it kept getting canceled by Princess because it was to Mexico. So he was just keeps rebooking these cruises because Princess keeps offering him incentives to not cancel it altogether, but just rebook. And so they'll say, hey, we'll give you uh, an extra this, or we're giving you an extra that. So he keeps getting extra incentives every time he rebooks these cruises that they cancel. He basically, at this point, is going to have enough incentives to have a free cruise just because the original has been canceled and postponed so many times. But look, he has no kids. He has a ton of dough. Uh, he can do that sort of thing. I'm not that flexible with my schedule at this point in my life uh, because I have a family. So uh, good for Justin. If you have any comments about uh, cruising, tell me about your best cruise, your favorite cruise, your favorite cruise lines, or your favorite ship, or your favorite uh, cruise story. You can uh, email me. You can uh, send it on the old Twitter machine. Or you can, uh, all, of course, call the uh, hotline, 303-832-0217. All those uh, contact links are in the description uh, of this show, as well as all those, uh, the contact links for Heidi as well. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. Be safe. And as always, happy motoring.